Hello and welcome to the Secret Adventures of Black People. I'm your host, Nicole Hill. All right, I know what I said about taking a break, but obviously I'm back. (laughs) I mean, we are still on a break, but this is a little bonus episode, a two-parter actually, that I just had to share with you because one, I missed you. And two, I need your help with this story that is consuming my every waking thought. All right, so this is how it started. You remember the Listen to Black Women in Parks episode where I was talking to my friends about how mad I was after the police killings this summer? Well, during that time, I called my mom and I was like, Mom, I'm so mad over this. I don't know what to do. And she was like, you know, Nicole, I can't tell you not to be mad because I felt the same way watching the TV show Roots. First of all, my mom always tells me not to be mad. But when she said, you know, that she'd felt the same way after Roots, I remembered when she first told me about that. Uh, but I remember them. Roots, I was in school like, just mad. <laughs> you know, just sitting there. Just, <laughs> I was like, you people are bad. I didn't know before, but now I'm... <laughs> and I'm not supposed to like you, and I don't. <laughs> and that got me thinking about this very strange thing that maybe all black people have to go through of having to process graphic images of violence against people that look like you because they look like you. Now, I've never seen Roots. Up until now, I actually had a very strict rule against watching slave movies, but I'll probably have to break it for this one. Roots was this eight-night miniseries that came out in the 70s, and it depicted for one of the first times how cruel and depraved slavery actually was. And over half of every single American household with a television set watched some or all of Roots when it came out. It still holds all these records. An eight-day miniseries about the horrors of slavery. Half of America willingly watched it. I don't even understand how that's possible. And I know Roots led a lot of Black people to get interested in genealogy, but I've never heard anything about what it made people feel. Like... What was it like to learn what slavery actually was for the first time? And for a minute, I was like, well, maybe there's no story to tell. But then my dad told my nephew and I about his experience of watching Roots. And I was like, whoa, this show had an impact. So I'm going to share my dad's story with you. And um, remember how I said I needed your help? Well, I'm hoping that if after listening to this, it makes you curious about the experience that black folks in your life had watching Roots for the first time, that you'll ask them and you'll tell me about it. Over the next few months, maybe during a physically distant meetup with your black neighbors or a black family Zoom gathering or phone call, would you ask the grown folks in your life to share their stories of seeing Roots for the first time and what impact that had on them? I am just, I'm dying to hear these stories, y'all. I made a little website for the show called thesecretadventuresofblackpeople.com, where I have all these ways that you can get in touch with me via email, social, the website itself. If you get a story, all you have to do is write it up and send it over to me via email, DM me, put in the comments on social, whatever works for you. I just want to hear them. And if you do, the next season, I'll pick a few and share them out. Deal? I feel like you probably just said deal. Okay, so I'm going to go first. And then you'll go to thesecretadventuresofblackpeople.com, and you can go second. This is my dad, 
His name is Troy Hill, and he's telling my teenage nephew Kyler and I his story of seeing Roots for the first time as a teenager growing up in Akron, Ohio. Hello. Hey. Hey. Okay, Dad, you're here too? Yes. Oh, snap. The whole crew's together. <laughs> What's up, Kai? What's happening, man? Sound like Nicole. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> <laughs> Does he really? Well, he did just then. Mostly, he sounds like Dante. Really, Tyler? Okay, Dad, can you tell us about Roots and then tell us like, the response to Roots when you were growing up? So back when I was in high school in 1977, there was a miniseries that came out, and we didn't know what it was about. But, you know, they started advertising it a lot, and they were saying it's based on a book by Alex Haley. Uh, he wrote the autobiography of Malcolm X. And uh, he wrote Roots. And TV wasn't like it is now. So we only had, like, basically three channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And uh, whenever black people were going to be on TV, it was, like, a really big deal. So, you know, they were saying O.J. Simpson was, was going to be in it. You know, he's known as a murderer now. But he was, like, an all-time great football player. And he was in Roots. So they used his name a lot. We had never heard of LeVar Burton. So it was all new to us, and we didn't quite know what it was. So the first night, you know, it came on, and it showed uh, black people in Africa, and it showed the the males of the tribe teaching the young boys how to be men. And it just showed a lot of African traditions and pride and all of those things. And uh, so you're getting into it, but then it shows, like, uh, the main character, which was LeVar Burton, whose name in the movie was Kunta Kente, uh, he got captured. And, you know, so the next day at school, everybody's talking about roots. So it went on. It was like eight days. Every night it came on. And it was, you know, it was long, too. Normally a show would be like an hour and a half, two hours. I think Roots might have been a couple, maybe three hours every night. But we all tuned in. Whole families was watching it. And it started to make black people mad. You know, uh, we had heard of slavery. But up until then, we had never seen slavery. So it was like you didn't even know. You didn't know what you didn't know. Like the way they taught it in school back in the 70s, it was like, yeah, it happened a long time ago. And they brought the slaves over. They picked cotton and the end. They didn't tell you how horribly they were treated once they got to America. Well, even going coming to America, they were treated so bad, like they were all shackled together in very confined spaces. And these men, you had just seen them, you know, the first night or so with so much strength and dignity and pride and power. And uh, now you're seeing these same men shackled and treated like animals, like cattle. And they didn't understand. Like, they didn't know who these white people were, why they were doing this. And uh, so each day that it came on, all of us in school were just getting madder and madder and madder. It's like, we just can't believe that this is what happened. It was rough. Like you're looking at all the teachers, you're looking at your classmates. And again, we had we, I like we were all cool. 
like we were cool with the white guys and we were cool with the white girls. Like we grew up in the same neighborhoods. We walked to and from school together for the most part. And, you know, it was segregated, uh, you know, like uh, the football players would sit with the football players, white kids would sit with white kids, but it wasn't an issue until roots. And once roots happened, it was almost like an awakening. And we really, really were just, it's almost like it's hard to be mad at your friend, but it's like we were, you know, uh, I think it was just like, okay, we don't want to hear nothing. Don't say nothing. And, you know, I think back then at the time, like when you see Black Lives Matter, you see like a lot of white people out there marching, you ride past people's houses and they have that stuff out. Black, I don't think, I don't remember white people saying anything. I think they were just quiet. Like mm-hmm. they knew that this, like this was bad and we were mad, but, and I don't think they were, I don't necessarily think they were afraid. I just don't think they knew how to react and respond. But it's like, uh, you know, if there was like a silly white guy in our class or something and he, you know, just making jokes and stuff. But I, I remember black people being like, hey, man, ain't nothing funny right now. Like, you know, pipe down. I don't want to hear that right now. And so that was the that was the vibe. It was a, it was very tense, a lot of tension. One of the worst things is when, uh, you know, when you came to America, they they branded you like cattle and they changed your name. So, you know, like my last name is Hill. Nicole's last name is Hill. None of us are really named that. It's like that's the slave owner's name that owns your great great that owns your ancestors, basically. So when you came to the country, Kunta Kinte, they told him his name was Toby and he just refused to accept that he's he was a proud warrior and he knew what his name was and he would they would beat him and he would say Kunta Kinte no matter what and uh and one there was one particular time he tried to get away and uh they determined to beat him until he said Toby and they kept asking him what his name was and he kept saying Kunta and they beat him so bad to the point where his skin was coming off and he was screaming and then he was almost dead. His eyes was closed. And then he finally said Toby. And that was the like, I think I might have cried. Like it was that. It was that uh, profound because he was so mm-hmm. proud and you had seen him since he was little and it affected all of us. Like everybody was messed up behind that. And, you know, there were other slaves who had been there. There were some slaves who were born there and they would try to teach the new Africans. Hey, man, you just got to play the game, you got to get along, but the proud Africans who had grown up in Africa and they knew who they were, it was really hard for them to conform and say, this is not my name. Every day it's getting worse and worse, and by the third or fourth day, there were just fights, like racial fights, and, you know, black people were so mad, and I remember being in, in a class, one class in particular, and one of my friends, and both of them were my friends. The white guy, you know, as far as I knew, he was a cool white guy. But they were arguing about something, and the white guy actually used the word nigger. And the black dude, I mean, he literally started crying. He was a strong, tough black guy. He started crying. And, I mean, nobody could contain him. He was moving desks. He was trying to get to that guy. And I just remember they were both my friends, and I was mad, too. And, I, you know, of course, I'm rooting for the black guy, but... uh he ended up getting kicked out of school and when I joined the military 
you know, you're talking to guys from all over the country and they all had the same story. It's like, oh, yeah, man, the week that Roots came out, oh, man, we were fighting. We were tearing stuff up. So, you know, that was an epiphany for me. It was like, wow. So I thought it was an Akron thing when in actuality it was all over the country. But we didn't have Twitter and Facebook back then to, uh, you know, to be connected to black people outside of our city. And uh, it's just like a really big deal. And you can talk to just about any black person of my age group, well, 45 and older, and they will tell they will all have stories about Roots. So in our lifetime, Roots was that thing that woke us all up. And, uh, you know, after a while, I think uh, a lot of people just went back to normal. But uh, it affected a lot of us in a lot of, in a big way. And it made a lot of people people become more conscious when they um beat him and he finally said his name was toby that was a really really hard night but he still kept trying to escape and then eventually one time he tried to escape and they set an example of him and they cut his foot off mm. so for the rest <laughs> of his life he didn't have a foot and uh, he had one foot and uh you know even when they cut his foot off you know there was a girl there who liked him and she was saying, you know, you, you know, you're going to be OK. You're going to learn to walk again. And he looked at her and said, I'm going to learn to run again. I should say that sharing these stories isn't meant to be a sad endeavor, at least not to me. It's more of a flex, if I'm being honest, because it is an absolute privilege to be a member of a race of people that have and continue to witness the worst of human nature and does not give up. Keep fighting. I'm Nicole Hill, and this is part one of a two-part episode. Part two will focus more on the conversation we had with my dad after he shared his story, so keep an eye on your feed for that. And please send me your stories by visiting thesecretadventuresofblackpeople.com. I don't think I've had story editors do as much to shape and reshape an episode as this one, so thank you to Alana Nevins, my improv team, I Don't Know Her, Mark Bagan, Kayla Jewett, and Ronald Young Jr. He's actually the black adventurer I'd love for you to support this episode. Ronald Young Jr. has an incredible podcast called Time Well Spent. On this show, he is telling beautifully produced, really personal, intimate stories that you can just disappear into, and I highly recommend them. That's Time Well Spent on all the apps. Okay, I'll see you again soon for more stories about Black folks holding it down across space and time.